Hey, thanks a lot for being here this evening. You are listening to Educate for Life Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We broadcast down here in Southern California uh, from K-Praise, 12, 10 a.m., and uh, also FM 106.1 uh, in North County. So you can tune in there if you'd like, but we're also all over the web. Uh, if, you've, if you've been uh, staying in touch or, or staying in tune with all our different shows, we've got all kinds of uh, experts from all over the world talking about issues that are relevant to your life. We just recently had Eric Buer on from Gateways to Better Education, um, who's talking about what's happening in education currently. And well, we've kind of got an education theme going on right now because it's such a big issue with everything that's happening in the schools, with uh, all the, the schools that are not coming back online due to uh, the teachers unions and these sorts of things, uh, as well as, you know, the, the freedom to be able to express ourselves in the schools. Uh, and, and today I have a guest who has an incredible, incredibly interesting background. His name is George Roska, and he is um, the founder of protectourkidsnow.org. And a little bit about him, he's, he was born in Romania, his father who was uh, put in prison under communism uh, because of his faith. And uh, he's the eighth of 12 children, and he himself has four kids, so he's a busy guy, holds down a, a day job while also doing his best to advocate for a biblical worldview and fighting against um, comprehensive sex education in the public schools. Not that he's opposed to sex education, just a, a particular type of sex education. And George, why don't we start off with that? I'm really interested in hearing, um, you know, why you decided to get involved in this fight in the first place. I mean, what, what made you, what was the impetus for you deciding, you know what, this is something I want to get involved with. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines anymore. I want to get out there and, um, you know, make a difference. So you're asking me for my woke moment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't really like that phrase, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I hate the phrase too. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think where it all started for me was once I had my uh, third child, which um, is a girl, um, my little Rachel. Um, I have three boys and a girl. And up until then, I really um, was so focused, busy with uh, work, with church involvement as a pastor, um, and really didn't pay much attention to what was going on in the public education system. Even though I was born in Romania, um, I came here at a very young age. I was almost seven. So I came straight into first grade. So I had lived through it. I experienced, you know, first grade through my master's degree. Uh, so I, I thought like, okay, everything's probably the same way as I had been through. Um, and uh, about three years ago, my wife sent me a, uh, an article uh, by the activist mommy, uh, Elizabeth Johnston. Yeah, and, yeah. I had her on the show not too, not too long ago. Yeah, so uh, she put out in, um, in April of 2018 uh, the first national sex ed fit out there. And I'm like, what in the world is that all about? So I spent a couple of weeks just researching and digging into this. And this was um, you know, less than a year after my daughter was born. And when I saw what was going on and trying to connect all the dots, and that's when I also learned about the bathroom bills that had already passed in California, I said, no way am I going to let my daughter um, be a part of something like this. And so, um, you know, initially there was just this kind of righteous indignation and all of those protective um, things coming out of me as a father. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that's where it all got started for me. 
Yeah. That, and so um, tell us a little bit what's happened from when you started to where you are at now. What are the, some of the things that you've been involved with? I know that you were up at the Capitol. You've held rallies. You've been very, very, uh, this is no small task, what you've been involved with. Tell us a little bit about what, what you've done so far. Yeah. So prior to joining POK, um, you know, one of the first things that I was trying to find back in 2018 was who is fighting against this? And I couldn't really find an organization that was doing something in this space. So really with a, a few parents that I had networked with going at either my school board meetings or our county board of education meetings, uh, we got together in, in May and in June and we just started talking and sharing information. And so that's when um, I became part of a, a group of parents called Informed Parents of California. Um, we had you know, started getting the word out through uh, mainly a Facebook page. Um, and then as time progressed during 2018, we, um, uh, we, we really tried to fight back against now the implementation of comprehensive sexuality education in California, because the law passed back in 2015, got implemented in 2016, but then the State Department of Education had to take that and say, okay, what does this mean? We need to give kind of a, a, a framework for all of the um, school districts to develop curriculum. So they developed what was called the health framework, um, which took uh, over like two and a half years to develop. So I led a lot of the effort in reviewing that 700 page document, uh, providing public comment, um, going to the state capitol and um, uh, we, we had like three different rallies that we put up there and along with many other parents that were part of uh, that organization at that time. Um, and then slowly, the big question for, for us was, how do we reach the parents of 6.2 million kids in our public school system? Um, and that's where I met Mark Schneider. Um, and Mark Schneider is actually the founder of uh, Protect Our Kids. Um, and we, we teamed up and we were able to form uh, an official 501c3 with uh, some of those parents that we had started our journey back in 2018 uh, and really come up with a good, solid mission, vision, strategic plan and uh, focus on executing it. Fantastic. Uh, if you're listening, if you're tuning in here, uh, the website's protectourkidsnow.org. You can check out everything that they're, they're doing and they're involved with. Um, I really like how you've got the timeline up here on your website, 20 year history of uh, the California laws regarding uh, sex education. And it just shows this gradual transition, this change, this um, implementation of things that are very contrary to, um, you know, Judeo-Christian values. And you know, we were talking off the air and you mentioned that, you know, this is really comes down to a world, it's a worldview issue. And uh, it's, it's a very big, but you focus specifically on this particular issue, but you're kind of expanding your, um, uh, what you want to, people to be informed about regarding uh, critical race theory and, uh, you know, historical revisionism, these sorts of things. Um, touch on that a little bit. And, and I'm really curious to know, you know, you, coming from Romania, you have a different perspective than most people would have. And the, we have this super weird thing happening with socialism and potentially communism, where people are openly saying, yeah, I'm part of the communist party. And, 
And, um, you know, I'm a democratic socialist and these sorts of things. And you're just like, ah, what is happening? Um, this has nothing to do with America and, and America's history. Um, but from your perspective, you know, how do these two go together, you know, as it pertains to worldview, you know, your, your past, your father put in prison in, in communist Romania. And do you actually see a trend? Are we actually following a trend um, in the wrong direction like Romania was uh, historically? Yeah, so uh, quick quick note on, uh, on the more humorous side. Uh, last year, I actually posted on my Facebook page that I'm tinkering around with starting a nonprofit organization that will pay for all relocation costs for any person from America who wants to move to a socialist or communist country. <laughs> Great. And, and then after that, I followed it up with a second post saying that I'm going to start a for-profit company that will uh, provide consultation services to those who want to relocate right back, but now you have to pay us. <laughs> You're going to be a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. How many people uh, are signing up to go to Venezuela? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think, um, you know, America probably just because of its geography, um, you know, isolated by two massive oceans um, has not necessarily been exposed to the realities of some of these worldviews. Mm. And uh, even though communism, socialism didn't creep into Romania in the same way it's creeping in here, um, for us, it was abrupt. Uh, World War II happened. Um, you know, we were taken over by the Nazis and then we were taken over by the Russians. Uh, we didn't have um, much of an internal uh, strength to stand upon. So we, we, we kind of were forced into it. Um, but what I would say is that after you know, more than 40 years under that system. What was very interesting uh, to me is that in, uh, in December of uh, 1989, we, we call it our bloody Christmas uh, because it was December 21st uh, when it all went down in the city where my dad grew up uh, in Timisoara. Uh, after it was all said and done and the people revolted and, and thankfully the army um, after a couple of days sided with the people and uh, they captured Ceausescu and, you know, executed him the same day. What was interesting to me is when you go back to the, the rallies of celebration that were happening in Romania and specifically in Timisoara, uh, you can go back into the video footage and people, you know, minutes and hours sometimes on end would be chanting certain things. And one of the most popular chants during that time was, um, God exists, God exists, mm. God exists. And it's like, well, wait up. You just got your freedom. You've, you've been through, you know, 40 plus years of communism. What does God exist have to do with yes. your whole life experience as a nation? And it hit people really hard that without the existence of God, as a focal point of how we live our lives, this is what happens. So that's for us as, as Romanians here in, in America, um, we connect these dots very quickly. Yeah. That's, that, that is just, um, you know, remarkable to me. I, I teach on these subjects in my apologetics class and we have these discussions because the kids really don't, are not able to connect. What in the world does God have to do with, anything that's related to the government. I mean, generally speaking, that's, people are completely unaware. They just don't connect those dots. And, you know, 
listening to this program, people may be thinking, well, what in the world does sex education have to do with, you know, communism, freedom, or God? What in the, where, where does that all connect? Um, can you help our, our listeners with that? How, how do those dots connect? Yeah. So from here now, um, if, you know, atheism versus theism, right? Uh, if, if there is a God, then there are consequences, there are rules, there is a morality that you follow. If, if there isn't, uh, everything is relative and self-constructed. So um, when you look at um, sex education, and, but especially comprehensive sexuality education, you will see that the verbiage, the tone, uh, the principles in it is all built upon critical theory. And it's, you know, it's critical, you know, queer theory, gender theory, um, and basically the, the supposition that they, they propose there is, well, wait up, you know, we need all young people to have access to, you know, um, medically accurate evidence-based sex education. Okay, I'm, I'm for that. Uh, but now all of a sudden, it's not just teaching biology, which is a reality. Um, but now it goes further to social constructs of gender identity mm. and gender expression and sexual orientation. And so when we talk about comprehensive sexuality education, it adds in more than the biology. It adds these other three elements, which are all self-constructed that they, they are developed from this framework of critical theory. Um, and so now all of a sudden from this framework of critical theory, uh, you have things being said that come out of the idea of intersectionality to say, well, black transgender, you know, women are the most, you know, oppressed category and they are not receiving the sex education they deserve because they do not see themselves in the, the health class, you know, being talked about people like them. Well, you're not going to talk about people who have self-constructed their own identity <laughs> that, you know, imagine a health teacher trying to cover what every single gender identity uh, goes through. You, you just can't do that. Uh, it's illogical. Yeah. So and it's that, not grounded. It's not yeah. like you're saying, it's not grounded in fact, it's not grounded in actual science. It's, it's a, it's, this is how I feel. Therefore it's true, which is, what you're talking about moral relativism and the fact that um, everything becomes subjective. There is no objective truth um, there. And, and so, and then what does that have to do with communism though? What, what, where is the link between the spread of, you know, uh, subjective morality, critical race theory, and then how does that connect to communism? What, what's the relationship there? So the, the way that I see it is it comes again through critical theory, but now it's critical legal theory. Because if a person is not provided with the comprehensive sexuality education that they need, uh, then you are infringing upon their uh, sexual rights. And sexual rights, according to this whole movement and this whole ideology, is rooted in human rights. And Human rights and sexual rights uh, are to be uh, protected and provided by the state. Very different than um, what we have here in, in, a, in America as a republic where um, our constitution protects our rights because they are God-given. Um, 
Whereas in a communist nation, you start mandating all of these things because they are not just to be protected by the state, but they are given by the state and defined by the state. So now all of a sudden, the entire US population of kids, um, they, they need to be given comprehensive sexuality education because it's their sexual right. And if you don't give them, you are infringing upon their human right. And so these are rights that the state has defined and the state provides. They are not rights that are coming from a, and endowed by a creator as our constitution says. And this leads to essentially totalitarianism in the sense that they are now going to enforce their subjective morality um, as the true morality, even though there's no foundation for that. Correct. Okay. And so um, share with us, you know, how this, when, when Romania was communist, um, I've, I've heard some uh, unbelievable stories. I, one gentleman I was speaking to who grew up in communist Russia, he said that, uh, not, I'm sorry, communist Romania, he said that um, they were not allowed to wear jeans because they were made in the USA. They were also not allowed to watch any movies, he said, that were made in the USA. In fact, he got, um, he got in trouble at his school for watching a police uh, movie, a uh, police academy, he said. And uh, they actually came to his house because he got caught with a movie, the p- police academy. And um, he, it, it was really scary. The police came and everything just over this, this movie. So, um, but tell us, how did your father end up um, going into prison because of his faith under uh, communist Romania? Well, my dad, um, my, my grandparents were believers. They were the first believers in our, you know, ancestry, at least as we know it. Um, we, we don't trace ourselves any further back than my great-great-grandparents. So we don't know if they were believers or not beyond that. But um, so he grew up in a Christian home, but he decided not to uh, follow in, uh, you know, in their footsteps and uh, take on the faith. And so at the age of... Um, you know, as a teenager throughout school, uh, the communists had the communist youth party. Um, and from a young age, you were indoctrinated with, um, you know, their curricula, their ideology. Uh, they had a program called the pioneers. Uh, and so that's the, the people who, you know, that, that's how they would, you know, um, brainwash kids as a, as a wholesale for, for society. Yeah. Well, my dad was involved with that, and then he was involved in the Communist Youth Party, um, and being a, a singer, a vocalist, um, the, the communists were, you know, big time into culture and, and arts, um, and so he was going to end up kind of taking that route as, you know, being a person within the Communist Party as a vocalist, and uh, when he gave his life to the Lord at 19 years old, and he went away from all of that, um, he was basically put on a watch list. So from there, my dad became a worship leader in the church, started traveling around with local evangelists, and um, he got elevated on that watch list. So randomly throughout uh, his, his day, he could have been you know, walking home from work, um, and he would be picked up by the secret police, uh, taken into an interrogation room, um, and they would do whatever they did to him. I won't go into the details, Yeah. Uh, but th- that was a random thing that happened just, you know, over and over. Um, finally, 
And so this was 1970 when he gave his life to the Lord, 1969, 1970. In, um, in 1975, they started uh, fining him. Uh, his first fine was because he was singing church hymns on our front porch. So he, he was fined a, a one month's worth of salary, which is, uh, you know, huge, especially since oh, yeah. um, we, we were poor, you know, below the poverty line. And then from 19, well, that's because your parents had 12 kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not all at once, you know, but yeah, from 1975 all the way to 1982, uh, there was just this constant, um, you know, watch that he was in multiple fines. And finally in 1982 on the day, my mom turned 30 years old on her birthday, they just came home, picked him up uh, and took him to prison. Now, communists always had a very good uh, story to tell, so they would never put you in prison because of your faith, because they didn't want stories to come out in the international news media about infringement on human rights issues. Mm. Um, so, you know, they cited him because we were in a border town uh, on the border with Yugoslavia. They cited him for uh, an attempt to help two other, uh, you know, brothers in the faith uh, cross the border. So that's what they cited him for, but spent a month in prison, six months on house arrest. Um, and, uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, of course you're alarmed when you see what's happening here, uh, in our schools and everything, 90% of kids, as far as I understand it, 90% of kids go to public schools where they're being taught things that are contrary to, you know, uh, Judeo Christian values. And they're being essentially indoctrinated, uh, into what, it seems to be getting worse and worse at socialism and these sorts of things. And, um, you know, some people, uh, George, some people feel like in California, you know, we've, we just keep going farther and farther left. It seems like, uh, we're a one party state here. I just was reading Ben Shapiro's decided to leave, um, the state, uh, he's abandoning, uh, LA, uh, I've read just recently. And there's a lot of people that are doing that. They're leaving. And so a lot of people are feeling, um, they're feeling a little discouraged, you know, they're feeling a little hopeless. Um, what would you say to those people who, who, uh, feel like, wow, can I really even do anything to make any kind of a difference? Um, you know, under these circumstances, uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think a defeatist mentality is not a, a Christian mentality. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, the caveat to that is that as Christians, um, we have to really take in consideration our calling. And where is God calling us to be um, in, you know, in terms of the church that we serve at? Where is our family going to be? Uh, your vocation in life? There, there's so many aspects to that. So I would encourage everyone to really fast and pray over those kind of decisions um, you know, for, for me and for my house. Um, you know, we, we feel called to be here, uh, to be serving at a church in Placentia, uh, California. And so as, as long as we feel God's calling here, that means the community that we're in, uh, we need to get involved. And uh, even though it's such a far left state, um, you know, there, there are uh, great success stories from this entire movement of parents. And you know, the very first one that I experienced was just a couple months into um, my voyage on this journey. Um, in, in April 2018, you know, my wife sends me that article. In May of 
2018, I attended my first school board meeting. I had never attended a school board meeting, um, at least as an adult. When I was in, in high school, um, I, I attended a couple school board meetings. But, um, you know, I, I was shocked at how things play out and how the teachers union have influence over school board members. Uh, but we stormed that room with, with many parents and we were able to have uh, a, a big victory. We stopped one of the most uh, horrific uh, CSE curriculums called Teen Talk. And then not only that, but we got the district to um, put you know, parents um, within a review committee uh, over a longer period of time to where parents would also have a voice and which curriculum would come into uh, the school district. Um, and you know, from, from my standpoint, it's almost like you have to play defense sometimes, right? So just delay, 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 as long as yeah. you can get it delayed, because yeah. yeah. the law doesn't mandate a time. So I went and then I started having one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings with my superintendent at the school district. And uh, to this day, we still do not have a CSE curriculum approved, you know, so we're almost three years later. So it's been a, a three year delay where three years of children going through the public school system did not have to go through that kind of curriculum. And, yeah. and that, that's all, you know, God. Uh, oh yeah. That's amazing. Well, that's very encouraging. And I think for anybody listening, you know, who feels like, Hey, uh, things can't happen. I mean, that's, that's a, an amazing story because if you get involved, you can make a difference. And I know that that's the case down here with our uh, local school board here, the Grossmont School Board. We have people that are very dedicated to the Lord and really uh, passionately doing their best to defend, um, you know, those kids. Uh, and so along those same lines, well, before I do, but uh, if you just tuned in, uh, my guest today is George Roska, and he is um, uh, affiliated with protectourkidsnow.org. You can check it out, their website, and there's all kinds of ways you can get involved. You, This is not something that, um, sure, financial support's great, but uh, there are actually ways you can get involved and you can be associated with that. And then you can um, start being influencing your own school board, your local school board. So um, please check it out, check it out, protectourkidsnow.org. Uh, so George, um, Tell us, you know, what are some of the things that, what are some of the worst things in this CSE? Now, and I'm curious to know too, like, you know, you say this, this sex education is inappropriate. So how would you contrast that with what is appropriate uh, sex education? Obviously, uh, we're having to discuss things with our kids that, you know, I was hoping not to have to talk to my my uh, daughters about this stuff for a while, but it's already popping up. It's stuff I have to uh, talk to them about very quickly. Um, what is the difference between what they're teaching? Give us some examples of, of some of the horrible stuff that they're teaching and then contrast that with, uh, you know, what is appropriate uh, sex education? Yeah. So what, what I'll, I'll start off by saying this on our website, we have what we call um, an evidence package. So for parents who are interested, uh, go on our website, as Kevin just mentioned, um, and go to our brochures page and we have multiple, we have two brochures, um, one that's just very high level, a second one that's a fold out, uh, very graphical, shows you some pretty crazy things. Um, and then we have a 12 page evidence package that takes you uh, meticulously through 
um, you know, what, what is really going on uh, it, within the curriculum and within the framework that the state put out there in a 700 page document. Um, and the reason why I wanted to start the conversation with that is because we can't show you those kind of stuff on air. And, and that's what really angers me the most. Um, you know, if, if I would show a, a child outside of the boundaries of the school, this content, it would be labeled as, you know, pornography. Um, and there's huge uh, repercussions for that. Uh, yeah, well, especially with a minor, even, even uh, uh, you know, I have to warn kids in my own school that sexting uh, is potentially a uh, trafficking in, in child pornography. Um, so you, you, you can't be doing stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And, and so th this is one of our frustrations as, um, you know, parents as part of POK who are trying to get this message out you know, we go and we do conferences and we put PowerPoints of evidence with these big, you know, black spots over information because we can't show it. Yeah. Uh, and, but yet, and yet there it is in the schools. It's in the schools. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just give some examples, um, you know, talk about consent, right? Why do you need to talk about consent with children when it's illegal to have sex when in the state of California, when you're under the age of 18, um, you know, the consent story and lesson should just be simple. The state of California losses this, that's it. Yeah. They are teaching kids in a, in a very grooming type manner. Uh, if you go in and if you read a lot of the FBI grooming documents that try to educate the public on, uh, what a predator, a sexual predator does with his victims, his or her victims, um, on the grooming tactics that they use, you will see the very close parallels with how that works within uh, these curriculums. They teach you how to give and receive consent. They teach you what affirmative consent is all about. And they, they go through great lengths, basically, to just get people to say yes, instead of no, the answer is simple, just no. Just say no. Yeah. And so it's, it almost seems like, the, you know, it's, it's bizarre to think about, but uh, we shouldn't be surprised as Christians, we are, we're, we are not citizens of this world, but um, it almost seems like the government in, in a sense, or the state run schools in a sense are complicit in, uh, you know, like you said, grooming for, for child trafficking, for human trafficking, for these sorts of things. Uh, what in the world are people thinking? All the social science evidence says this is awful. I mean, I was just reading a stat the other day, uh, over, I believe it's over 60% of uh, divorces now are to one degree or another saying that pornography is uh, an impetus in the divorce. It's something that is causing the divorce. And so with all this evidence out there, what in the world are these people thinking that, that somehow this is a good thing? I, I, I had somebody else on the show who said that in sixth grade, they're using pornographic content in order to teach sex education as young as sixth grade. Um, so how, how can they think that this is a good thing? Uh, do you so know what, what the, the agenda is behind that? So what's interesting about that, and you mentioned the word pornography, one of the most shocking experiences I had um, about on, on, you know, on this journey was the framework as it was developed um, 
the, the State Department of Education hired an outside consultant called West Ed to come and to write the document. And they had a 20 member committee um, comprised of uh, representatives from up and down the state of California um, that, that are typically um, from either the school system or from the health system in California. But interestingly enough, there was one member uh, who was part of neither of those two systems. It was Planned Parenthood. Hmm. And these 20 uh, members, they would get together and they would be presented, you know, the initial drafts of every one of these chapters. And at those meetings, these big, long workshops, they were all day workshops. Uh, they didn't have really a way to, to take meeting notes, but I wanted to know what was going on there. So I reached out to the State Department of Education. I said, can you please share with me uh, the meeting minutes from, from these meetings? They're like, we, we don't have that. We only have audio recording. So I said, I want the audio recordings. And I mean, we're talking about hundreds of hours of recordings. I, I haven't been able to listen to them all. But one of the first things that I listened within the first 20 minutes, I just randomly selected one of the audio files. Uh, it was them talking about the issue of pornography. And I still remember it was a male voice. You, it, you can't tell who it was out of those 20. Mm. He was saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's let's hold back. We can't put pornography in in this you know light of negative stigma, and uh, we we just can't put it out there that way because not everybody uses pornography you know in in a negative way. And I'm like, these are the kind of people who are putting the framework together. <laughs> I'm like, what 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 shows are these? people who are, who are on this, you know, uh, on this framework. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in my mind, I'm like, we, we need to take those kind of sound bites if forever for whoever has time and just start putting them out there for parents to hear what kind of ideology these people have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, in this, so what is the best way for people to get involved with what you're doing and to be able to make a difference in their own school district? Um, are, are, are there a lot of parents that are involved and are actually engaged with, uh, you know, making a difference in their local school district here in California? Well, I, I would uh, choose to believe that over the last three years, we've made a big dent into that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying every day that more and more parents do rise up to that challenge. One of the things that I have seen is that there's kind of two, two ways that parents will get involved. Uh, there are parents like myself who just had enough. Uh, they're, they're outgoing and they're willing to, you know, to go in front of a school board. They're willing to rally other parents along with them within their school districts. Uh, those are very hard to find. Uh, we, those are the kind of parents we're trying to find. Uh, but there's other parents who have, you know, other gifts and other inclinations and want to help more in the background. Uh, and so we at POK we tried to find an avenue to do both. And so we have what is called an ambassadors program. And for, for parents who uh, really wanna get involved, but they wanna do it more from the background, uh, we, we help them with this. One of our uh, biggest initiatives that we're doing a, a pilot run on this year here in Orange County, because our state is so big, we can't concentrate everywhere. Yeah. So we, we 
are concentrating here in Orange County. We have 28 school districts and we started off with my school district. Um, we looked at how many churches are within our boundary and we, we send a package of information to the senior pastor of each one of those churches. So we had about 40 plus churches that we sent it to uh, here in, in our district, in our city. And our intent is with our ambassadors uh, to do that, that kind of a legwork um, and to send those out and then to follow up with emails and phone calls and maybe even an in-person meeting. And our request to these pastors and to these churches is for them to invite POK um, and for us to come and do a seminar at their church. Um, from April of 2019 through uh, January of, of 2020, we put on 13 conferences here in California, um, up and down the state. We've done from El Cajon all the way up to San Leandro and, and uh, Sacramento, um, Santa Barbara, um, you know, out in Temecula, all over. Um, we've probably reached over 5,000 parents physically in those conferences. We've videotaped many of those conferences. We have those conferences on our website so parents can go back and, and listen to them. They are, they are very well done. Um, and we even have these short videos that we've developed, PragerU style videos, about six minutes each, uh, where we talk about what is comprehensive sexuality education and uh, get out now. Uh, why are we sending this message to you know, to, to parents everywhere to get their children out of the public school system if they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's multiple ways um, of parents to get involved. Um, our ambassador program is probably the, the, the first and best way to do that. So, um, you know, you said something there. You said um, to help parents get out of the public school system. Did I hear you right there? To help kids, yes. Yeah, and help parents take their children out of the public school system. You know, for a long time, there's been this conflict between people that they, have said, look, if we take our kids out of the public school system, then we're not able to minister to the people that need it. And you're, what you're going to do is you're going to have a just no no Christian kids influencing or Christian parents influencing the public school system. Um, what's your position on that? Uh, um, how do you feel about that uh, situation? So so, so that's our overarching message. However, we, we do recognize that at the personal level, um, every family is in, um, I would say the majority of families are in a very tough situation, especially here in California. Uh, we don't have any form of school choice uh, to be able to subsidize our education, children's education costs. Um, and usually both parents are, are working. Uh, so any kind of... Uh, homeschooling or private schooling option uh, is usually financially or just logistically uh, out of the question. Mm. Uh, however, we still ask parents to seriously consider this um, and to, to make that a, a priority because ultimately here, here's the reason why. And we've, uh, we've read so much and we've networked with so many other organizations like ours across the nation, and we're part of a network of organizations called Protect Child Health Coalition. And I, I've learned from people who, you know, who've been in this fight far longer than I have, that everything that can could have been tried has been tried. Mm. And we are past the point of uh, redeeming the public school system. Uh, so it's kind of like a World War II uh, MacArthur situation uh, retreat and then come back. By retreating, we're not retreating 
uh, from you know all the other kids that are there uh, because we care about all children. Um, but we want to protect ours first. Uh, God has given us our responsibility for our children first. Um, and so, you know, for the parents who feel like, well, they've, they've instilled their children with, uh, you know, the, the right, um, you know, doctrine and, and discipline, and they're able to stand up uh, amidst the peer pressure, um, you know, that, that's their decision to make. Uh, but ultimately, given the, the fact that the teachers union um, only views our children with dollar signs in front of them. Mm. Uh, every child in the state of California is worth about $15,000. And, and that's become thing- crystal clear uh, since the whole situation with COVID. Um, it, it just has become in- incredibly obvious that they are not placing the well-being of the students uh, as a priority compared to, you know, whatever their driving, driving desires are here. Exactly. And, and most school districts in California are dealing with decline enrollment. Um, so their budgets are tight as it is. Uh, and we experienced this when we did uh, our sex ed sit outs. We, we did three of them in 2019 in, the, in the, the first half of the year, which was, you know, the that second half of the school year, 2018, 2019. And we had school districts that were just going berserk because they're like, uh, we're, we're losing that one day of funding uh, mm. because we made sure that parents understood to mark their child absent as an unexcused absence. Therefore they don't get included in the, in the ADA oh, wow. uh, formula. Hey, that's a, that's a powerful point right there for anybody listening to that. I mean, talk about uh, uh, hitting them where it hurts. That's a, uh, that's a big deal right there. So what we learned is if, if three days was a big deal to our school districts, then when you pull out your, child for the entire year, that $15,000 adds up quickly. And just one interesting statistic now during COVID, because uh, who would have thought that something good like this could come out of COVID? <laughs> yeah. The public school system has been exposed and has been put on notice by parents who are sick and tired of teachers union dictating uh, their livelihood. And so, I mean, our entire lives are dictated now by our, the public school system. Um, and the most recent number that I've heard is about 150,000 kids have been uh, disenrolled and enrolled from public school system in California. So take 150,000 and multiply that by $15,000 each yep, yep. and you'll get a, a, a number in the billion. <laughs> um, so, Somebody do the math real quick. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's really good news. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll share something good along the same lines. You know, I'm, I'm vice principal at a Christian high school, as well as a 12th grade Bible teacher, apologetics teacher. And um, we have uh, one of the highest enrollments we've ever had. We've, we have an increase. We've doubled our normal applications. We're up over 600 applications Wow. Um, with the amount of students that are coming to our school. And I happen to um, live next to a a young uh, woman, young girl who is a, an 11th grader. And she said to me, she goes to a public school, a local public school. And she said that she does not want to spend her senior year online. And she said, she knows at least a hundred other students at her local public school that have decided that if the school doesn't open up, they're all transferring to uh, Christian unified, which is where, where I'm the vice principal. So, (laughs) you know, if you, if you want to be encouraged that good things are happening, it's pretty, uh, it's, pretty amazing what um, God is doing through this difficulty. Uh, so I, I think 
you know, uh, we trust God that he's moving behind the scenes here and doing things that we don't necessarily uh, always see. So uh, this may be uh, uh, the, the start of a, a really good thing. So we're praying hard that, that the Lord works through all this. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, as, as one of the things that I was saying to myself this year was, you know, if, if the teachers union and their leaders wake up every day and then they're going to make my life miserable, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do the same for them. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> gotta, gotta ask Jesus about that. I don't, I don't know if that's the turn the other cheek thing. I know. I know. <laughs> You're a pastor. So I'll just take your word for it. No, this, is, this, this is my father instinct. This is oh, my pastoral yeah. instinct. <laughs> that's right. Hey, he's, he's a warrior pastor here. That's awesome. Um, well, that's great. Um, and, uh, really appreciate you, George and everything you're doing. Um, you are a one hard worker, uh, pray for this guy. If you are listening, he's a civil, civil engineer, as well as a pastor, as well as a father of four. And he's also involved in ministry, uh, doing all kinds of things. So please keep him in your prayers. And, uh, again, uh, the website is protectourkidsnow.org. Um, please get involved. Uh, there's so many ways to get involved and, um, God is doing amazing things. So, uh, don't, don't, uh, allow the devil to make you afraid or allow, don't get discouraged. Um, you know, sometimes when you think things aren't going the way that they should, God is going, don't worry. I've got this under control. We're doing stuff. So, uh, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus, right. And not on, um, the wave. So, uh, very important. Um, Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much again, George, for being on the show. Um, my program, my website is educateforlife.org. You can check it out there. I've got tons of resources up there. I've got a full curriculum that's all meant to help you develop a biblical worldview. And a lot of the stuff up there actually deals with exactly what we're talking about, deals with education and God and government. And uh, how does this relate to uh, human sexuality and marriage and these sorts of things? And it's all interconnected. It's amazing how God designed everything and how it all uh, all connects. So um, uh, please connect with George. Uh, he just put up his uh, email up there. So if you are interested, uh, you can get a hold of him and uh, get involved. Okay. Thank you, George. We are about out of time. So I hope you have a great night. Thank you so much, Kevin. God bless you and God bless all your listeners. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.